0: Hey, welcome to Myron Details. I'm Nick.
1: And I'm James. And we're two industrial designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. That's right. We're we're snowing. It is right snowing.
0: Now. It's snowing right now.
1: I think it's actually turning into rain, so that's unfortunate. Mm.
0: Snow's always better. It's like a little winter wonderland. Well,
1: it's I like I like snow because if you're fast enough, you can dodge it. No, James. You can Yeah. You I, can't got, dodge, no. I got those quick northeastern listen i grew up in the northeast i don't know if you have to deal with this in north carolina it, but
0: in north carolina we ran into the snow if it started snowing we'd all just like go outside and try to get as much snow <laughs> as you could
1: no way man we us pa pa kids pennsylvania yeah um we dodged the snow we learned to dodge it that's we that's came to school extra dry
0: <laughs> how's your week been man
1: not too bad just chilling just chilling yeah just working yeah, doing some yeah, doing some work. You know, you watch me. Same, same. You see me working. I,
0: I, That's all I actually do is I just sit there and watch James work. I don't actually do any work. I just yeah. watch him.
1: Work. It's amazing that Nick hasn't gotten fired.
0: <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, we've been we've been uh just working. Um, I'm trying to give some like small weekly updates. The Discord's been going well. Yes. Um, we're actually. I, we're actually live on the discord right now we are live on the discord we just turn our mics on we let we said hey we're live if you guys want to listen listen to it live so i mean if you guys catch us at the right time you know yeah next week try it out these are those discord perks yeah so yeah if you guys aren't in the discord it's essentially a chat room kind of like slack if you're familiar with that or not Mm -hmm. but um you know we talk about design and i don't know it's like It's really fun. It's like the thing that we've been looking for.
1: Yeah. Do we want to talk about how unnecessary the uh, Slack redesign, logo redesign was? I mean, that's kind of out of our purview. It's
0: graphic design.
1: But... So, uh, oh, you want to talk about it. Okay. Well, I mean, only <laughs> slightly. We can we can just touch on it for a second, but I just didn't feel like they needed a redesign. I mean, I think there were some smart things done with the redesign, one of which was that the the old logo had something like 16 colors mm. in it, and yeah, the yeah. new logo has has four and it's kind of separated out, but you know, they got Pentagram involved.
0: Right. Yeah, so and, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Slack, Slack's essentially the workplace chat
1: room kind of way yeah kind of thing like
0: you know instead of emailing each other people can just slack each other i love slack it's really nice you can drop files
1: in there you know you can call out everybody and uh
0: pentagram redesigned their logo recently yeah i think it was
1: michael beirut it was like last month or so yeah Um, i mean it's a clean logo but i was like this company has barely been out for a second and they're going to pentagram
0: i i will say that i think logo redesigns always get a bit of criticism absolutely but but i i personally think that the slack logo redesign is like fine like i don't think it's like a bad redesign i think it's an improvement because like you mentioned the original slack logo had 16 colors in it which is uh, obscene to like try to print on a t-shirt that's horrible (laughs) 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 try to embroider 16 colors
1: right i just for me it was it was that moment of just wait what I you know I'd come to know this this program and I never was like oh my god they really need a a refresh and it didn't even seem like that big of a refresh
0: yeah it's a very young company for a refresh I think yeah but
1: but anyway That's that, startup lifestyle you that's know? just my my little mini rant
0: um but I kind of wanted to pop off on some other comments that we had in Discord off <laughs> on it Nick um well actually I you know last week we talked about design trends. Uh, specifically, we talked about the speckled CMF oh, trend. Oh yeah, and your your dad—actually, well, your dad was on the Discord. But your dad had a comment on the
1: YouTube. My dad weighed in. Now, if you don't—if you aren't familiar with Peter Connors, it's I, because you don't own a rotomolding molding factory.
0: Yes, James's dad has a roto molding. More work factory.
1: within the material handling realm. But yeah, my dad um, is the founder CEO of uh, Remcon Plastics. And they do rotationally molded uh, items such as uh, road barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done playground equipment. They've done... Bins. Bins. Lots which, of bins. Which you've designed I've some. I've designed some. And we've talked about it.
0: Episode 10, I think.
1: 10? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> Episode 10, I think. <laughs> we we, at, ha- <laughs> we have talked about time it. Time marker. Someone... someone 2345. Someone else can figure it out. Um, But uh, yeah, my, my dad... Weighed in on the on the speckled trend because I I actually remembered this after he he posted a comment about it. He used to uh, mold for a company called Liquid Logic, and they they did these one color like really nice kayaks, and a lot of the other kayaks out there had sort of this speckled look. Um, I think Perception kayaks is one hmm. of the the other big ones, um, and so what he said about. Uh, speckling in the kayak world is that the speckled trend in the kayak world came as a solution to the problem of contamination of raw material it was difficult to to mold a solid colored boat without burnt pieces of plastic falling in the mold to cover these blemishes kayak producers started throwing a small cup of black plastic in with the colored plastic resulting in speckled kayaks
0: that's i thought that was really interesting yeah it's, it's like a cover-up of a, a flaw.
1: Right. Well, if you know anything about rotomolding, it is the way that the, way that the molds are. You have these huge molds that, that you open up manually for the most part. There's not a lot of automation in rotational molding. Okay. And so the molds are just kind of laying open and you dump the raw material in just by hand. Yeah, by hand. And so it's really easy for for those for those molds for for other pieces of material to fall in. Oh. And so to get and and if you get blemishes on something that's supposed to be solid color, it's essentially a reject, you know, and you you have to like churn up that material or you you know, I right. don't know, sell it. Right, right, right. at a reduced cost. Huh. Um, but yeah, so that's it's pretty interesting that, that you know that trend in the kayak world let me see i think it's perception kayaks
0: also i did i did want to shout out uh we got some new mugs on the podcast if you're watching the youtube oh yeah some speckled mugs by blue foam the instagram meme account
1: the the meme king um yeah so a lot of these kayaks are are sort of uh they're like gradients, but you do have okay. a lot of colors going on in here.
0: Yeah, so James has pulled up a kayak by perception and it is yeah, it's like orange to yellow, kind yeah. of like a mixture of colors.
1: So in this case, you can have have a blemish or something fall into the mold and it go completely undetected because of everything that's going on with the uh, the CMF hmm. of these kayaks.
0: Yeah, that that's a that's a, a cool comment and I, yeah, I mean, this is this is where the Discord's at. I mean, yeah. your he dad wasn't on Discord, but like, this is the kind of stuff that we talk right. about the Discord too. So. I was,
1: yeah, I was messaging with my dad, and um, you know, I I I said to him, I was like, you know, cool comments on the YouTube, and right. he said, I want to become as famous as Nick's mom.
0: <laughs> when is the uh, minor details parents episode coming? <laughs> That's the real question.
1: Yeah, let's let's get them on here.
0: Um, I, I guess another another weekly update is uh, an unfortunate one. And I, I kind of want to talk about this because it, it's like it's a thing that is a hard part about design, but no one really talks about it at all. Mm. Um, so I've been doing some almost object products, which is my design brand, my personal design brand that I'm working on. Right. Um, and I've gone through like two rounds of sampling on this aluminum product. And, you know, it's just a simple CNC turned a piece of aluminum and uh you know it's been like three months or so of like getting samples reviewing samples figuring out how this all all this stuff works you know trying to prepare spec documents and things like that um you know it's a whole other half of design that we don't really talk about we actually did a, do a episode of the other half of design i don't know episode 10 again yeah <laughs> um, but i got an email this i sent some uh, some some uh feedback to my supplier uh, and I got an email back, and they said, uh, "Hello, I should read it. Should I read oh,
1: it?" Oh yeah, you should read it. You should send it to me. Can you airdrop it to me oh, so man. I can so I can get it so all all the people in the land can see?
0: Yeah, we gotta we gotta find it now. Um, but uh, yeah, my my supplier emailed me, and uh, uh, to preface this, I had some very like critical feedback. Like I Nick had Nick is demanding. Yeah, you know, like he
1: expects perfection. <laughs>
0: i i had like um, no
1: dust in the molds
0: yeah I, I there was a few scratches on it there was a few things that like i wanted to fix uh, you know specifically i wanted to like change some of the dimensions and things um but my uh supplier uh i don't know if i can send these to you right now james but um my supplier said uh here here's the email You ready <laughs> hi nick how was your holiday i hope you had a nice holiday Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong email.
1: Oh, come on. Hang on a second, hang on a second.
0: All right. Hi, Nick. Thanks for your feedback for the samples. For the scratches, it cannot able to avoid because it need to do the anodize. The scratches are the hanging point, which is actually interesting to know. So they hang they hang uh, machined parts to anodize them, right? They dip, the, mm. dip them in the anodizing baths. Right. So that's good to know. I don't have any hanging points on my product. Um, but, and then they said this, this part, your product requirements are too high. Our manager told me that we cannot make it perfect, so this time I do not send you quotation. Sorry for this. Thanks for understanding. Have a nice day.
1: So does that mean that they've dropped you?
0: Yeah, that means that they don't want me to email me back. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of hard because you know I spent like th- three months working on this project, and now they're like, "Yeah, you're too hard to work with." Oh, <laughs> so
1: man i'm sorry nick it's okay did you eat a like a a tub of ice cream that night did you um did you cry
0: i should eat a tub of ice cream right now (laughs) let's do it live (laughs) um but yeah you know it's okay i'm gonna go back to the drawing board i'm keep keep moving along and this is just part of the design design world you know it's what you do
1: you'll you'll find someone better
0: um so yeah i mean you know There's there's plenty
1: of factories in the sea nick yep
0: um but yes, uh, that, was, that was my week. We've been just chilling out, working. Yeah. Um, and uh, James wants to talk about something.
1: <laughs> it's design, design news.
0: Design news time.
1: Yeah. The, uh, Samsung just launched the Galaxy S10. And they have figured out the ultimate solution for the front facing camera in my opinion
0: it's the hole punch yeah yeah so yeah oh, samsung launched a new phone eat that apple their, their flagship phone and it has a a uh, so for those of you who who are like living under a rock or my
1: mom my mom doesn't live under a rock but i don't <laughs> or, think she knows about No, i i heard that as or living under my mom <laughs> oh no <laughs> I need some
0: commas in there or
1: something like that.
0: <laughs> um, uh, uh, James hates the iPhone notch on the Ugh, iPhone X. It's the worst. Um, and, you know, it. It it is horrid. I <laughs> I agree. The notch is a horrid trend. Um, and there's been a lot of solutions around solving the notch problem. But uh, I guess Samsung is is doing their part in doing a hole punch in the upper right corner of where the camera will go. Yeah um and yeah i don't know how do you feel about it james
1: i feel great about it nick and let me tell you why uh i think everybody knows my general criticism of the notch in that it feels like the hardware invading the software yeah in a way that i think is just horrible i i think you know there's always this talk of at apple blending the hardware with the software and there's there's no worse intrusion and more awareness of the where the software ends and the hardware begins than with the notch. However, with the hole punch, I feel like it just feels like something that's part of the interface. It it almost feels like you know all of that information up there that's right. always like, up there, like the
0: battery and the uh, LTE service bars, and yeah, it just is like, oh yeah, you got the battery and you got the camera, you got you got all these other things.
1: Yeah, I like it. It just it lines up all in a row, and I think I think it's nice. I, I I agree. I think it is a it is a
0: solution. It is a nicer solution than the notch. I would really like to see a company put the camera and all the sensors right up in between where the screen and the bezel meet. Kind of like in that crack, in a that nano crevice. like a
1: nano camera.
0: Yeah, a nano camera. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's either that or under the screen.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Under the screen is is the way to go. Yeah, see,
0: I'm being a little more realistic there. I don't think we can get under the screen in a while. <laughs> I but, think I mean, one day, one
1: day we'll get there. Right? I I think at, they're they're standing around at Apple right now, just like, you know, we've had we've been sitting on this for years. When are we going to launch it? They're having another party, another brainstorm. Yeah, you yeah. know they they know what's up.
0: Um, well, we wanted uh, speaking of Apple, uh, we were taught we were reading in the Discord uh, about kind of the topic this week, and we thought it'd be interesting to talk about um when to go with your intuition and when to trust the research. Mm. And I forget the actual comment, but there was like something on the Discord. Someone had mentioned something about like you know what should i pull it up you could find it if you want um you know i i I think the gist of it was at apple they just play around and try to invent things and instead of like sitting and saying like hey let's go research you know a hundred people and see what they say about the new product Um, yeah did you find it
1: so it's uh beanie design and uh so they say. So a question on my mind that I've had for a while is that Johnny Ive said recently at Cambridge Hawkins Award thing that I that when the design they don't look for uh, that when they design they don't look for problems. Instead, Apple's design team just explores ideas they they just have. Furthermore, if you look historically at the greatest innovations, no one seems to start from a problem. Instead, they use their intuition and explore ideas they have. So, why should we trust IDEO and the like (laughs) when they say that design followers, uh, they say that design follows this linear process from problem through solution? Would love to get people's thoughts. Yeah, Um, shout out
0: to Beanie Design for uh, adding to the conversation there. Yes, Um, but yeah, I I think there's definitely definitely some thoughts around this. I mean, I. I even think about some of the big innovations of, like, you know, like, the phone, the telephone. Right. That was an accident, right? Yeah. Weren't they, like, they were playing around with some sort of, uh, you know, radio emissions, and, like, the guy yelled from upstairs because he, like, tripped or fall. I I can't remember the story, but, like, you know, the story is, is, like, it was an accident. Right. Same with the microwave. The guy had left a chocolate bar in his pocket and was, like, playing around with radio waves right and a lot of these big innovations are sometimes accidents it's not like people going out and being like all right guys let's search for a problem and solve it you know right which is a lot of i i feel like a lot of times that's a prominent thing that's taught in design school is you must start with the problem
1: Mm. yeah i can remember in design school they would always hound us for coming into product projects with preconceived notions That was, that was one, that was one thing. So Mm. it was all all about, and I think that there's some validity to that because especially when you're young and in design school, you can have some sort of, I mean, throughout your entire life, you might have some naive thoughts around a certain subject that you're designing for. I think with, with some of these inventors though, you're looking at people that are truly just exploring curiosities Right. Like they're they're just like compelled by their curiosity
0: and, and to be clear like design and inventors are separate people, yes, right
1: yeah, I mean I think I think sometimes um designers like the i I don't know that we're always so innovative, but we're but it, I don't know we're we're trying to take the world of innovation and make it palatable, yeah sometimes Yeah. Mm-hmm. um. Because, uh, you know, we talked about this in the Derek Cassio episode. Like, designers aren't necessarily coming up with all this amazing technology. We're just packaging it in such a way that the general public can benefit from it. Right, right. Um. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's, um, I don't know. What do you think, Nick?
0: Well, I, I think you made an interesting point there talking about, like, how you reframe the problem when you're in school. Like, mm. you said something like you had to, uh, like get rid of all preconceived preconceived notions notions. which you know for for me i remember going to school and that was like an interesting another interesting thing was like you know instead of thinking of like or i i would i you know i don't know all the professors are different but you know my professors were definitely on the side of like hey we're not designing a toaster Mm. no we're designing a bread. Uh, warming device right right. like always breaking down what that actual thing is into a very like as like non i don't know descriptive as as it could be like right you know how do you break that down into its like simplest form
1: yes because with a toaster and here comes the pun there's a (laughs) lot of baked in Notion. Gotta stop the podcast. Yeah, we gotta restart. <laughs> we, you know, there, there's the You immediately like. There's an image that comes to mind of the toaster when somebody says, "Right, we need, We're going to design a toaster." Yeah, and so it's very hard, especially early on, to break out of that. Yeah,
0: and a bread warming device could be an open bonfire. Yeah, and a stick. Right. And yeah, and it's it's wide open like. I don't know. Like when, when you re reframe the problem in that way, it's it's very different, right? I always think about also the famous analogy of the elevator. Have you heard this one? No. Uh you know it's a pretty common analogy, but it was, you know, there there's a big building, a tall building in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. We we've been to a lot of tall buildings in New York City,
1: and <laughs> and uh, not together. Well,
0: some of them together, but um, uh, you know, it's like oh, all these people are upset because the elevator is so slow. Okay, Mm. well, the elevator is slow. What can we do to fix that? And so you give it to like a bunch of engineers and they're like, okay, well, what if we make the the motor faster? I know we can make the pulley system different because if the pulley has a a smaller wheel at the top, then it'll have this better torque. And like, you know, they start ranting off on like how to make this elevator faster, right? But you need to step back from that because that's not the real problem. Mm. The elevator speed is not the problem. The problem is that people are impatient. Hmm. And so when you reframe the problem, when you break it down to its very like distilled essence, then you come up with different solutions. You're thinking, well, people are impatient. Let's just put like a mirror in the elevator so people can like primp themselves whether <laughs> while they're going up the elevator
1: is this are you about to tell me the story of how elevator music got invented uh, that that could be very well a, a solution to the problem yeah i always think a good solution to
0: that problem would be placing where's waldo posters across the elevator <laughs> <laughs> or i spy you remember i spy books do you remember those books or no? no maybe that was a different generation but
1: oh wait 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 no i absolutely remember okay, i, I yeah, spy yeah,
0: yeah. It was like a, it was, I spy was I like. I love those books. Yeah, those were a, oh man. A, a, essentially amazing photography of a bunch of random items. And they would be like all these little scenes, maquettes. You can see it if you're watching YouTube right now. But yeah. it's like, you know, like a bunch of just like tchotchke stuff put into one scene and an amazing photography done. Oh, those and then it always had like little prompts at the bottom of the book. It was like, "Hey, find the find the action figure doing a cartwheel," you know.
1: So good, such a good, such good books. I remember just like looking at them for hours. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, actually the uh, the the Freedom Tower. Yes. Um. Have you Have you been up? Yeah. You, you were up there recently. Yeah, right? with, my, with, with, your with my family for Christmas. Did you notice what happened in the elevator? It was amazing. As you were going up, yeah. I wonder if that is that online. I'm sure it anywhere. Is. I'm sure it is.
0: But, but yeah, I mean, to describe it, you know, this is the tallest building in the U.S. You know, the the One World Trade Center in New York City. Oh yeah. And it starts out. You know, you get into this elevator. You're on the first floor. It starts out in the bedrock, and you're going up. And, and to be clear, the elevator is a full like T V screen. Right? Oh yeah. It's so, like all the walls are T V screens. And as you go up, you know, you're kinda like boosted into this, you know, it, i guess CGI sky and you know, you have these forest and greenery around you. And then as you go up the years start counting up. Yeah. So you start off like in the eighteen hundreds, like when New York was first founded. And, you know, you start to see these like cottages and villages build up. And then slowly as you get higher and higher to the different floors the the years increase and you're in the 1900s and you start seeing taller buildings and eventually start seeing the Empire State Building across your across your view and uh and yeah we're watching it right now on the YouTube <sighs> but you can you know it's you get pretty, to the, you get to the top floor and it's like oh wait now you're in present day 2019
1: pretty amazing yeah it, like i was not expecting it and it was definitely a great way to uh, occupy the time although that elevator was pretty quick yeah you, i mean it's like
0: it, it was super quick. It's like, wait, I want to stay in yeah. here longer, you know?
1: Yeah. And at the very end, when you get back in the elevator, complete free fall.
0: No, it's not a free fall. It's not like it's not an amusement park. <laughs> 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 um, gosh.
1: Um, but uh, but we we kind of sidetracked. Yeah. But the the elevator analogy. Um, that was about like knowing the right problem to solve, or or right. or a problem like understanding the different problems that you could solve
0: yeah and i think that's a big part of the the whole like you know what what is the part you should research or what what part is like i don't know what she should have emotion about or just kind of intuition about yeah yeah i mean i think going back to the original the original topic of like you know when do you use your intuition and when do you need to trust the research right because that's a that's a tough question because I think a lot of times, and I think we've talked about this uh, too, but like research is held up as this like like golden rule. Like always follow research. If the consumers want this thing, the consumers say the screen should be bigger. Well, we must make the screen bigger. Right. And to some extent, like the research is very valuable but when do you know, like when do you break the research and when do you go with your intuition? It's a hard question to answer. It's
1: really difficult. I think, I think you're more aware of when to break with it when you have, when you have good experience with whatever you're designing. I mean, I feel like f- f- to some degree I can design like home goods with a, a good deal of certainty around my intuition because I've, I've lived, it's like designing things for the home or designing things for the office. It's like, you're kind of, you're immersed in these environments mm, every day. That's true. And like if
0: you're designing a wheelchair, I mean, obviously we need to do a ton of research. On right.
1: That. So I think, cause, cause to me, intuition is just like, it, it's not conscious research, but it's years and years of kind of your own personal, living research. Yeah. You know, because the other thing is, is that my design intuitions were terrible when I got into school, they were awful, but you know, through education and through that whole process, which was almost, you know, like a research process in its own, like going through all of that, then all of that becomes intuition. Yeah, Like that, that then, you know, um, I, I so. think
0: I think that is an, a key part of this conversation is like, you know, intuition is something is, is this thing that you kind of gain over time. It's not something you can really learn or like, you, you know, like it's not like you can go online and watch an hour long YouTube video and be like, oh, yes, I got more intuition. Right. It's it's this slow evolution of understanding what the best solution should be, even though you don't quite know. It's it's not that you don't know. It's that. You just have this feeling, because of all your past experiences, that yeah. this is the right direction. Because when you start getting down into the very, like, nitty-gritty design stuff, the uh, minor details. Uh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's my bad joke for that. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like... I have internal bleeding right now. It's, it's like, do you make this fillet on this, you know, toaster 10 millimeters or 5 millimeters? Mm. And you look at them side by side, and there's no research to tell you which way to go right no there is only intuition and and at that point it's like well in your past experience of like feeling fillets and curves and like understanding how things look how things play in the light all those things kind of are in your subconscious and you look at that five millimeter and that 10 millimeter and you just know you know that it's Ten millimeters, or that it's five. It's always ten
1: millimeters, everybody. (laughs) That's just the default. We have found the answer. That's the default that SolidWorks goes to. It's no longer (laughs) intuition. It is one hundred percent fact. Put ten millimeter radiuses on everything, even iPhone. Yeah, that would not look right. The next (laughs) SolidWorks two thousand nineteen, the fill it button. Will just be ten millimeter fillets. That's
0: only only fillet you can ul- do.
1: Yeah, it's the only thing you need. We've done it, everybody. We've oh, accomplished that's... the ultimate fillet. Um, but uh...
0: I I also like the uh I also like to bring up the the what was it Henry Ford phrase again the if you ask people what they want they would ask for ha- a faster horse right but yeah. I don't know I, I just like that quote a lot because it's like yeah I mean. I might be experimenting or doing some crazy thing. I mean, I even got a comment. on um, I've been playing around with some tray concepts on the Instagram and I even got a comment of like someone messaged me and says like, Hey, do people need a- another tray? And I'm like, no. They <laughs> and need you're a- like <laughs> block. No, <laughs> I didn't block them. I didn't block
1: them. I
0: said, I said, no, they need better trays, right? Like, oh yeah. Like, what's the evolution of a tray?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Um, oh gosh, I was gonna make a point about the like what you were talking about when it comes to those, like minor, those minor details. Oh gosh, I always I'm losing my train of the thought fi- the more fi- and more the fi- often.
0: The five millimeters
1: and the ten millimeters. Yeah, but um,
0: like, how, like, do you have any when you look at a, an entire wall of concepts? Because this is a question that we've also got, I think, as well. You know, it's like, you know, you see a wall of concepts, which one do you pick? Like, Mm -hmm. let's say they're all, like, equally feasible. Like, they're all, you know, are functional. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the the functionality. And they're just aesthetic variations. Which one do you choose? And and I think this is the key part that a lot of designers miss, especially young designers, is, like, I, I see this a lot on, you know, the internet, Instagram, things like that. It's, like, people are sketching up concepts. They're making a lot of great, you know, concept sketches and like they might look pretty, they might, they might, you know, work well, but they're missing those intuition moments of like, Mm. oh, this concept is correct because, you know, that 10 millimeter form really plays well with the other, the the button in the side and like er, er, the whole composition, the form of it all balances
1: out. Yeah. And it's always interesting. I like I do like the critique with multiple designers because there are things that come up that you as an individual might never consider. And there are these there are these moments where people with vastly different life experiences, vastly different intuitions perhaps, you know, they'll it, and it starts kind of like the best kind of moment is when there's there's like true discourse about like like half of the people are on one side, half of the people are on the other side.
0: Oh, that's always tough. Oh, I love it. And then you and then you both agree on a on a combination of oh, both. Oh yeah, the com- and then it com- the old, comes out as a disaster. The old compromise. <laughs> the old the
1: old camel. Uh, the thing that I was gonna say earlier, and this this plays into that as well, is is um sometimes you feel like has this ever happened to you where you feel like you arrived at the solution early on and then you were asked to do more variations even though you feel like i think this is it yeah and then you end up coming back to that in the long run like at the end of the process
0: yeah i've heard both sides of that story i've heard the the side of the story of like the first 10 sketches you do are just trash like Mm -hmm. always do you know like Uh, A thousand, oh, not a thousand, but, you know, do a ton of concepts because the first few you do are going to be the very first, like, trash ideas. Right. Um, But then I've also heard the other thing of, like, the first few you do are, like, the very, the most, like, intuitive and, Mm. and, like, the most, like, oh, clicked. It clicked right then and there. Like, I know what it is. Right. And then you still keep exploring.
1: Well, that's something that we talked about with Kelly Custer of NAC. is, like, she you know, she, the, with the hanger project, she, she like sketched out the hanger and then she was like, I need to do like 50 more concepts and then just came back to the hanger. And there is this feeling of, Oh God, like I really need to prove to myself that this is the right solution. And then, but, but you know, it's, it's like you are, you have developed all this intuition over your career, Right. like maybe your first inclination is right
0: i i think there's a, there's something to say in terms of concept or like idea mm-hmm. like you can have like the first idea that comes to you can be the idea yeah like a hanger on a street sign which is what she designed so that you can put clothes uh, like you know clothes for the homeless on it like, yeah that is a core idea and that might have been her first idea and that's a great idea yeah and now like the variations of form like she can play with forever right you know like i think about some of my past projects i think about like the birdhouse Mm -hmm. that one was a pretty much like oh what if i put a birdhouse on a on a telephone pole and i make it so that it looks like a flyer like Mm, you know yeah yeah. yeah and that in itself is already a fully formed you know design like there's really not much to play around with in terms of aesthetic details it's like how do i convey the idea in the simplest way possible I mean that that's kind of more more my personal philosophy of like just coming up with the con, the core concept and then trying to translate that as cleanly as possible to the finished
1: product. Right. The um there there's another idea that's in um I think it's in like lean manufacturing, six sigma stuff and it's What is that? It, it's called the 5 whys. Is that a book? I lean manufacturing lean manufacturing no it's it's uh it's like the toyota have you ever heard of the toyota like manufacturing system it's basically like from what i understand of it and i'm probably going to botch this but it's it's just like a method of setting up a manufacturing facility so that um there's like you're kind of removing waste from from like okay, if if this person in in the process has to grab this tool, then where does that tool go? Uh, right, right. And, and Just stuff, like
0: pure optimization. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Okay.
1: Um, but the five whys, they say that it takes five whys to get to the core, like to the root of a problem. Hmm. And so Interesting. If, you, if you keep asking why, and, and I've heard this, I heard this story a while ago. I think it was actually from my dad, and I'm probably going to botch this as well but there, but I think it was, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. Um, they were, um, like Congress was deciding on, like, there was this problem where a lot of birds were pooping on the Lincoln statue. Okay. Interesting. And so, and so they were coming up with a budget to figure out like, okay, we need to like, you know, we need to clean this every so often. We might need to like is it painted? I don't know if they have to repaint it. I
0: think it's just marble,
1: right? Um yeah, I think but anyway, they were they were coming up with this cleaning regimen and like it was going to cost like a, a pretty good amount of money. Right. And and so, one con- I think it was a congressman who knew the five whys. He just kept asking why. He kept asking why. And what what ended up happening was the reason that there were birds in there pooping on the statue is because the the lights going on in the Lincoln Memorial were attracting moths. Oh. And, and the birds were coming in to eat the moths and then pooping on the statue. That's crazy. And I think what they ended up doing was like delaying Just when, put the, when the lights came on or something so that it wouldn't... I I, I don't remember the solution quite, but it, but basically like they found what the core root of the problem was. Um, so yeah, that's like another way it's It's another like bit of research where you can, uh,
0: yeah, the five ways. I like that.
1: yeah, that's a good one. But, um, I don't know. I do think that the most interesting designs do seem to come out of curiosities and and sort of intuitions when designers are acting more like artists. yeah, um, than scientists, but I also see a tremendous amount of value in just like the optimization of design when it comes to the process. Yeah.
0: I, I definitely think it's very product dependent. Like we were saying, like, yeah, you know, designing a new chair, like something crazy. Like maybe that is just intuition, uh, you know, just make up crazy idea Yeah. versus, you know, a medical device, like, Oh yeah. Research all the way. Right. You know, right. But no, I think that was, a that was definitely interesting thoughts on a, um,
1: yeah, but we would love to hear your thoughts as well. Let us know. Discord. So, yeah. Email, Discord. Voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Get, that, get that voicemail. Um, and, and speaking of voicemails,
0: should we, uh, should we listen to some voicemails? Yes, we should. Okay. Um, we didn't, well, we got one in this week for my dad, and then we also had one last week, which is <laughs> another good comment, but yeah, I'm going to play my dad's one. Oh, actually, before we play this, our voicemail, if you guys want to send in a voicemail, is one 494 4011 Yes. And it's just a Google voice number, so we won't answer the phone. Um, so just leave a voicemail. Okay, here's my dad.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. I am listening to the Monday podcast, and I just wanted to compliment James on his perfect rendition of the Apple brainstorming party. I had <laughs> no idea this is how it works. I think it's great guys to keep up the good work. Have a great day. Actually, make it a
1: great day. Yeah. Um I want to announce to, to everybody that I'm actually going to be doing an off-Broadway play um <laughs> called The Apple Brainstorm Party.
0: Go back and listen to the last episode if you didn't
1: cuz it was pretty funny.
0: James's uh James's like rendition of coming up with the iPod.
1: Yeah. Intoxicated designers are amazing
0: innovators. All right, so we do we do have a, a real voicemail here from I believe it was B Thumb Design who left this voicemail again, um, but this is another comment that they had. So let's play this one.
2: Hey there, James and Nick, uh, fellas. I was listening to your latest podcast, and I was thinking to myself, um, these philosophies you're coming up with. Uh, there were people who were commenting, responding to familiarism in particular and saying things like, you were not an authority on the subject. Um, I just had a a question about that. I was wondering if uh, designers can't come up with philosophies and uh, create their own design, uh, I guess design philosophies that they base their design processes around, then uh, whose job is it to determine that? And at what point do you have enough authority uh, in in your design journey uh, to establish that for yourself. Um, that's not to say that you're naming something that's already been happening, uh, but just to create your own philosophy. Uh, so who who's playing these cards, and uh, why doesn't yours count? Anyways, just a thought. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, and if you guys missed that episode, uh, it was, I don't know, two episodes ago where James and I talked about our design philosophies. I talked about... This kind of thing I, I coined called familiarism, which is taking a familiar interaction and adding it to an incongruous product, you know, a product that would never have this interaction, mm-hmm. to create like this really unique and new uh, design. Um, and you know, I got a little flack for it, but you know, I I believe B Thumbs design or B design question was, you know, some of my critique was. I don't have a doctorate in des- in design theory, mm. um, but do I need a doctorate? Like who, who gets to create design theories? Yeah. You know, who gets to create these philosophies?
1: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that there's any sort of permission needed or, or like, yeah, I mean, are pre- they
0: expecting, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you have to go ask Dieter Rams. Yeah. Can I have permission?
1: I think people are thinking you, you have to talk to Don Norman. um who who authored uh design of everyday objects right you know he has he has a lot of books uh around sort of design theory and i don't know my feeling is is that if people if if you express a philosophy and people pick it up and it becomes functional for them and then proliferates through time then that's a functional philosophy but if you put your philosophy out there and nobody's digging it and nobody picks it up, then it's not a functional philosophy. I mean, that I think it's kind of as simple as that.
0: I I agree. I think there is there is like some sort of like very simplistic way of thinking about it in that terms, but I think there's another way of thinking about it in in the terms of like true a true philosophy, not not related to design, but like true theory, true philosophy of you know, like scientific theory and like things that have been proven out proven out over and over and over again and documented through tons of research studies, you know, and those, those things become full-fledged theories and philosophies and they're very much, you know, institutionalized. I don't, know, institutionalized. Mm-hmm. I, don't I, I, design certainly has some of that, but I, I feel like design is much less institutionalized in that way um, compared to, you know, like, you know, psychology or, you know, astrology or any of the... Mm-hmm. Astrology? No, astronomy. Astronomy. Astrology is the sign. What's your no, sign? No, okay, no. Yeah. No. let's look up horoscopes. <laughs> um, but, uh, he, and that's something I've also talked to my friend, Sean Davidson, about of like... My friend, Sean Davidson, is into architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks of... He, he's been talking to me about like, you know, architecture has a lot more theory... Put into it. Mm. There's a lot more theory around architecture, and more. It's more institutionalized in that way, mm-hmm. as compared to industrial design. Hmm. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know who has the authority to just make up design philosophies. And honestly, like, I you know, I you know, I I pronounce like familiarism as a philosophy. But if you want to use another word of like practice or you know idea in terms in 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 example of philosophy then i think that's fine too like i i think maybe the whole philosophy definition just trips people up you know
1: yeah because i cuz from my understanding i didn't think that a philosophy Right, was was something, and I just looked up the definition: a the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline. But my my feeling about philosophy: I didn't think that a philosophy necessarily needed to go through the scientific rigor that a theory had to go through. Oh, uh, maybe you're right. So I think I think there's a difference there. Okay, because because a theory absolutely like. You know, it's something that's proven out, and then it becomes a law, right?
0: <laughs> if I'm, if this, I'm remembering this correctly, a, we're getting into but I don't different. I don't think here. we that, are not
1: qualified to talk about this. Stuff. I don't think that philosophies necessarily have to be proven. Yeah, um, this this
0: is another thing I was thinking as well along this comment is, in, and as well when I was reading through all this critique of of my familiarism idea, people were mentioning like you know, like, you don't have the master's degree in in design theory and and whatnot. And I was like, you know, it's interesting, and this is a whole other conversation as well, but, like, the whole idea of, you know, these large institutions and colleges is starting to, like, waver. Mm. And, you know, know, who knows what the design education of the future is going to look like. Will there be these big design schools that you have to go to to become a designer? Who knows? Or really, any schools. Uh, I mean, there's going to be, Certainly, some schools, but different trades are different. Uh, you know, you learn different. I mean, we probably need medical medical school, right? Yeah. But it, you know, if if design school ever goes goes away and it's some sort of like apprenticeship program or mm. online education, like who says who's a good designer anymore? Mm. Like, if you don't have a degree in industrial design, does that make you an industrial designer?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, you don't. You don't need a degree to be industrial designer. No. But I I would say in defense of design education in its in its current form that it's probably one of the more practical degrees you know of all of the degrees that you encounter like you certainly don't need a business degree to go into business and like the amount of exposure that we have to doing more hands-on project-based real world type scenarios within design school. I think it's like a pretty good bang for your buck.
0: For sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But definitely. no, I,
1: I, I agree that I think that there's going to be some morphing going in the, on. In the future. Yeah. Uh,
0: in the future. But yeah, don't quit design school right now.
1: <laughs> I know that you
0: said that because like we have students listening and they're like, oh, should I quit? But no, I, I definitely agree with James and the fact that like design school still is very core into becoming to becoming a successful designer um
1: i just think it's like but who knows what in, the future in hold. terms of a way of spending your college years like wouldn't you rather be getting real hard skills because even if you don't end up in industrial design you could end up in carpentry or illustration yeah, or yeah. you know there's like and and there's like this sense of of uh like, what's imbued in somebody that goes through design school that I don't think a lot of other majors appreciate is the is the process of going from, like, zero to, or from soup to nuts.
0: It, I've always thought about this, too, and this is so interesting because I think about other majors, maybe, I don't know, English or something, I don't know, yeah. like if you got, like, a math degree or, you know, some some more liberal arts degree, and not to put those down, but it's just, like, you know it it, what happens when maybe there's no english jobs left right Mm. like as a designer what happens if there's no industrial design jobs well i don't know i i've been taught how to solve problems i've been taught how to take nothing and create
1: something it's like
0: i don't know the the ability to just create something from your mind is very powerful
1: yeah don't discount the mathematicians they're very rigorous
0: yes i don't i'm not saying that the, i'm not saying that those uh those degrees are bad i'm just i was just like yeah c- continuing on your point
1: no i i, I agree because i cuz you know when it comes to like kind of the business school example i i don't know how much of that education in un, in the undergraduate degree is really like taking taking things to to a level of execution that right. you see in the real world
0: yeah because designers just do stuff
1: They just yeah. do it yeah and i think that like like i said if you don't end up in the design field like at least you have that in you that understanding of like what you need to do to 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 make something to right you know anyway all right i think
0: we got a little sidetracked there
1: but this is that's okay you know that's I, that's what this podcast is all about exactly Nick. exactly no Come i'm, I'm
0: green with you um uh but yes thanks for sending in to our voicemail if you guys have voicemail uh or comments questions anything really send to our voicemail uh 646-494-4011 um and then we got some email questions mm. as well mm-hmm. Meyer details podcast at com. um And our first question comes from Kevin. I don't know if you want to read this one.
1: Kevin Claridge asks, uh, as technology becomes smarter and smaller, becoming nearly or literally invisible in regards to the physical objects that have dominated industrial design for so long, how will our jobs as industrial designers change as we move into the future? For example, I imagine a future for us in which you no longer need a physical watch. You will simply see an augmented see an augmented reality in which whatever watch you chose for the day is on your wrist. How will the role as industrial designers be affected when a majority of our reality is digital instead of physical? Okay, well, first of all, Kevin,
0: we're not going to be looking at our wrist to read the time if we're in augmented reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a heads-up display. Oh Man,
1: have I told you have I told you my idea about I, I apologize if if I've said this already on the podcast, I have this idea that instead of clothing, we'll just wear these like nude suits. And when we have the augmented reality glasses, and you just you just pick the outfit you want for the day and and it's just projected on you for everybody to see. We're all walking around in these with these nude suits on.
0: All right, how much you want for investing, James? I'm I'm investing in your company. <laughs>
1: this is the new uh, company.
0: cool mill. <laughs> uh, cool be, mill. I'll, yeah, I'll send that with your way. Um, but yeah,
1: we were actually having a conversation about this. This was it this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, as you guys know, you were,
1: sorry, because you were talking about the chair in your VR home.
0: Right. Yes, as you guys know, I am uh, living in VR most of my life. I come out for this podcast and this podcast alone. <laughs> um,
1: and uh you know
0: uh, recently uh oculus i use the oculus rift and they have this vr house which is kind of like your main screen um you know you can access all your things here but you can also decorate your house put different furniture pieces in it and things like that and you know they're constantly updating adding new pieces of furniture and decor and recently they added this like nice design chair and i was like oh this is a cool chair but it's not a real chair it's a virtual chair and it's definitely not been well i I don't say i don't know definitely but i'm pretty sure it's not it wasn't designed by an industrial designer i'm sure it was a game designer or like a game developer yeah um and yeah i don't know it's just interesting to think about um in terms of like where the future is headed because if we all live in a virtual world are we gonna or industrial designers gonna start designing virtual objects yeah
1: it's really interesting because imagine, like, imagine that everybody just gets the same like base bed, like base sofa, whatever. It's just like this basic, whatever. And then you put on your augmented reality, and you can literally design anything, and it's always going to be comfortable. And and
0: well, <laughs> and going off of that, like, the, and then what does? what does design cost like if design is free yeah like if it's free to have like a really high-end herman miller whatever it is you know chair i mean compared to ikea like Mm. i don't know what does that mean like do you have to pay for the high-end design if it's the exact same thing it's just pixels
1: i mean don't people buy things digitally and some things are more expensive than others i mean mean, maybe you can artificially inflate the price that's true Right, because everybody's always gonna want to like flaunt their wealth. But
0: then you can just pirate chairs. I, I mean, you know. can just illegally download a chair.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you wouldn't illegally download a car, would you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I would actually.
0: Now that you're <laughs> talking about it, <laughs> oh my gosh! You guys remember that commercial? That that commercial in front of the movies? You know, and, it's like you know, you got, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, right. It, you know, in, in like the old days, or I don't know how old this old days it was, but <laughs> you no, know, there was this like anti piracy commercial. That would say you wouldn't steal a house. You wouldn't uh, steal a car,
1: right? So don't steal a movie, you right? Because
0: pirating is illegal.
1: Yeah. No, I imagine I imagine people, but then there would be the sort of like Yeezy Bustas of the digital world, being like, "That's a fake, like Gucci <laughs> chair." You know, they would, they would know how to read the pixels and everything and, like, read the source code and be like, that's fake. The future is going to be crazy. And, you know, what's
0: also interesting, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier this week, but, um, you know, the idea of having a virtual chair, right? Like, you know, I, I'm in my VR house. I have all these virtual pieces of furniture, and, like, it, it's really nice. It's beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But it kind of reckons back to the, the old iPhone and how the first when the iPhone came out, it kind of had this skeuomorphic look of like trying to emulate the real world right into the digital world. And right. this is the exact same thing. It's like emulating the real world for like my furniture and everything into this virtual world. Right, and so what is the virtual world going to evolve into? Like, mm-hmm. if is it going to like become flat UI like the iPhone did?
1: Oh God, I hope not. That'd be kind of weird. That was. I was totally on board with that whole idea until I saw the Apple icons that they replaced everything with because I thought that that was some of the worst graphic design. Were
0: you talking about the gradients?
1: I'm I'm talking about Which one like talking when about? they first transitioned over to the flat um to the flat apps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought those app tiles were were horrid.
0: Well, that was that was the whole gradient thing. Remember that? We talked about that last week.
1: Was so, it the gradient thing to start out with?
0: Yeah, iOS. What was it? iOS 9? Was that the one that switched over?
1: I don't know. Let me see.
0: Yeah, because for a while, you know, Apple had the skeuomorphic look, which was like how the the notepad looked like a, a legal pad and like the, the calculator had the actual like buttons with the highlights and everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I think it was iOS 9, iOS 8, I don't know, iOS 7. Let's was, see. Start searching back.
1: iOS eight. Yep, we got it. We got <laughs> it, the flat.
0: It was one of the updates. Seven. It was we've one of got,
1: the... <laughs> We've got flat.
0: It was one of the updates where they switched everything over to a very flat UI. Um, what about six? You know, Is it six? Oh, here so, so, we still have skew morphism. So yeah, iOS seven I believe was. Uh, yeah, we pulled it up. iOS seven was the time that they switched over. um
1: Now, I'm not saying that I liked these. Yeah. But I just, I felt like, I felt that the graphic design could have been so much better. See,
0: everyone always feels that the graphics, that's the whole thing with the rebranding thing, which is going back to the Slack logo. It's like when people change branding around, people notice and people just hate change inherently. So that's why people dislike it. But anyways, uh. Yeah, that was a good question from Kevin. Was there yeah. any other... I mean, my thought is like, you know, I'm kind of speaking like far out in the future of like, oh, you know, what if industrial designers now become virtual industrial designers? Right. Or just designing virtual objects? I think... Sorry. What? Nick? Go ahead. Oh, no, I had one more comment, which is really another interesting comment. And uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's you know, an interesting one, everybody. Because, because you know, I I live in virtual reality all the time. <laughs> Hold on to your seats. Um. I am exhibited in this museum, the virtual uh, museum of other realities, which yes. I've discussed on a pretty old podcast I think. Um it's a virtual place, you know, in VR you go there in VR, but it's it looks like a real museum. You can walk around this virtual museum and it Is feels this like it? Mm-hmm, it feels like a real museum. Um and you know, there's a ton of VR artists in there. There's like you know, people are doing stuff in like Tilt Brush and uh, Quill, which which are like VR painting programs. And I was talking to the founder the other day, and they are hiring an architect. And I'm not oh. I'm not talking about like a software architect. I'm not talking about like someone who writes code and creates soft art, you know, architecture in that way. I'm talking about a real architect that designs buildings. They are hiring an architect to design a virtual building.
1: That's awesome.
0: Which is just like blows my mind for a second. Like, yeah, because, because think about that architect for a second. They don't have to be constrained to any real world constraints. They don't have to like put an HVAC system in this virtual world. Right. There's, yeah, it's like, what is a building when it's not a, a real building anymore? What is a piece of furniture when it's not a real piece of furniture? Yeah. You know, what is a virtual coffee cup look like? Right. When you don't have to constrain to liquid.
1: Okay. Sorry. I, know, I just Nick. started to I mean, blow that no, out. I'm just blowing that entire question it's out a a it's a, whole, it's a whole other topic, but it, but it is very interesting. The other side of the coin yes. is is that, you know, when we're talking about smaller and all of these things, the thing is, is that we are caught in a certain point in our industrial revolution where, like, we have these flat panels of electronics... Specific, have to be
0: definitely specifically in tech design yes
1: that have to be encased in a certain way and i think that there's gonna come a point where we're gonna see blurred lines between product and ui and not just in sort of an augmented reality sense i think we my feeling is that i'm interested in a world where like things get more of a I don't know, organic human touch to them when it comes to these kind of devices that we interact with. I remember this concept phone and I don't I don't know that I'll be able to pull it up, but it was kind of this like amoeba ish looking smartphone that you could like you could like bend It was made out like, of silly putty? There was there was like no it was like a silicone ish thing, but you could like you know, when you were in the camera mode, you could flex it to like to zoom in what? or flex it to zoom out. Oh, that's and interesting. This was a concept phone from way back in the day, but mm. I've o- this is always stuck in my mind of like when when we get out of this world, like when we get to the next phase of like whatever the technological revolution takes us in terms of the hardware, like right. like when we break out of the rounded rectangle, what what is next? I don't
0: know. That's a really interesting question. But though.
1: anyway um i think that's all the time we have for today I'm,
0: I'm starting to spiral down into this like virtual realm right now <laughs> uh but yes yes that's uh, he's
1: spiraling where we uh we are uh
0: we want to thank you guys for listening um, absolutely and of course every week we like to give a shout out of the week and this week we want to shout out liga studio um and their instagram handle is l-i-g-a studio f-r mm-hmm. uh i i guess they're a london slash paris studio cool um and as you guys know james is taking a little break from instagram so i picked this guy this these uh these people out and uh it's very furniture it's like a furniture studio Mm -hmm. and they're doing kind of some cool interactions you know they they're playing with these rubber bands using rubber bands as thick boys some thick boys two (laughs) two C's, maybe even a third C. um (laughs) You know, they're using these rubber bands as an assembly method. And so, like, one of the examples is they have a lamp, which is just, like, you get these two, like, glass tubes. Mm-hmm. One of the tubes has a light in it and a rubber band. So all you do is you just put the tubes together and you take you take yeah. your rubber band and you st- strap your rubber band around it and, bam, you got a lamp.
1: And uh, here's a little disassembled look at what they look like. Right. Um, would you call these fat straps these bands no they're 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 thick bands not fat straps <laughs> <laughs> um, but i will say
0: I, this you know you guys can look it up but i think this embodies the the idea of familiarism hmm. because it's using the familiar interaction of rubber bands everyone knows that to use a band and applying it to an incongruous product like a lamp or like mm-hmm. a mirror and creating this very unique and fun design. Um, so, yeah, this is a good good example of that. Cool. Um, but, yeah, shout out to you guys. Uh, and, um, yeah, as always, our intro outro, Kiyoshi the Kid. Yep. Subscribe, like,
1: YouTube, podcast. Spotify. Spotify. Uh, tell your friends. Get on that Discord. There's some really cool conversations coming out of that Discord and definitely. that's what spawned the whole topic for this episode. Definitely. So um, definitely get on there and get in the conversation. Yeah, we'll see. You we want to hear what you guys think. This is a conversation.
0: Yeah. And it's it's getting exciting. I love it. Yeah. Um, and as always, I'm at Nick B. Baker.
1: And I'm at I Drawing Receipts. Peace out. Later.